Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about that feeling in the back of your brain that something is different and you can't quite figure out what it is, but no one's talking about it, so you just kind of go with the flow. I'm Jeff. And I'm James. And today we'll be talking about my two-player Space Hauler Heartbreak game with Jeff Stormer of Party of One. I've always wanted to say this. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. Today I am joined by Jeff Stormer. Hey, James. Hi, Jeff. So, uh, this feels a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not Brandon. <laughs> that's, you know what, that's probably what it is. Yeah. If I had to, if I had to put a guess on it, that seems like it would probably be what it is. Yep, yeah. So, so as a quick, uh, covering the quick backstory here, uh, we had an unfortunate and I'm gonna say totally unavoidable, uh, scheduling mishap where Brandon couldn't be here for this recording. Um, but we had a nice, uh, kind of, uh, coincidence where I was planning on talking about my two-player game and and the 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 production that I've done on that since the last time we talked about it on this podcast and so needing to find someone to replace Brandon and uh, wanting to talk about a two-player game um, I said I obviously came to the conclusion that I needed to talk to Jeff and Jeff was thankfully available so uh, you will be the first replacement co-host ever that we've had on this podcast. I'm really, I feel, I feel good about the Stop, Hack, and Roll pioneer of all these guest spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were our first guest ever, and now you will be our first uh, replacement co-host, which is cool. I'm excited. Uh, let me briefly introduce myself yeah, so go that ahead uh, the that. audience at home knows uh, who I am and why I'm here. Uh, my name is Jeff Stormer. Uh, I am the host of Party of One, which is an actual play focused on two-player role-playing games. Every week I sit down with guests one-on-one, and we play a short, self-contained two-player role-playing game. You can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. I also am one of the co-hosts of All My Fantasy Children, which is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by listener prompts. Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take a listener prompt from Twitter, Facebook, Discord, whatever, and we spin it into a fantasy character. You can find that at allmyfantasychildren.com. So, being a two-player games expert, we're here to talk about a two-player game. It really felt natural for me to be here today. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like maybe you've done that that pitch for yourself once or twice. Once really, or twice. Really, just like float out. Um, and I also want to just mention that if you are someone who uh, has not been listening to all my fantasy children, there that you guys have started releasing some uh, at least one episode of um, like back backstory roundup kind of things. So it's mm-hmm. like really good like entry points into into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We stuff. just we actually just as of the as of this recording, we just recorded the second installment of our annotated audio primer series, which we're calling Roses Guide. Uh, we re- we just recorded the second one on Friday, so about two or three days ago. So it should be out for the public and about by the end of next, like by the time, I'm going to say by the time this episode drops, it should be, if not out, out within a couple days. Cool. Because yeah, what it is, is that we've been, so all my fantasy children, we create these characters and we use them to flesh out this world that we've called fantasy. Uh, It's like a generic, it's sort of a Renaissance fantasy landscape after a calamity has happened. We, and we use our, we use these characters to fill out this world one person at a time. And the this this roundup, this primer series was basically like, we've been doing this for two years. We have almost a hundred of these episodes done. Yeah. We figured it was probably time to say, like, okay, here's every here's all of here's everything you need to know. If you don't want to go back a hundred episodes, you can listen to this couple like three or four hours of audio by the end of it. And you should be like up to speed. Which I mentioned because one of the things that I want to talk about later in this episode is character creation, because that is something that I, because again, outside of just two player games, yeah, you have probably created more characters in pen and paper games between that podcast and all my fantasy children uh, than maybe any other person alive. Uh, and and I have no character creation system, and so I was hoping that I could get some words of wisdom from you about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me just like talk about this game a little bit. Um, when yeah, I give me, give me give me the whole give me the backstory of it. Yeah. So so the the pitch of the game is that it is a it is a it is a romance game. It can it can be about um it can be about love kind of falling apart, but it can also be about people kind of struggling through it all and making making things work. Um, the game has kind of leeway to do either. Like the story of the game is that 
two people have fallen in love. They've just met at a bar or they've met somewhere and they are immediately deeply and passionately in love with each other. And the the problem that they run into immediately is that one of the characters is has just signed on to the crew of a spaceship which is going to go out into deep space and haul ice back to earth and so they are going to be gone for long periods of time they are going to be doing dangerous space work and that because they need to go deep, deep into space, they may be traveling at incredibly fast speeds, uh, which can cause some time dilation issues, which may mean that they go out for like six months, but come back five years later. Um, and that mm-hmm. will obviously all put strain on the relationship. And so the core of the the gameplay, as I designed it for Metatopia last year, is a conversation with the concept being that the one person is this ice hauler and the other person is a, what I've been calling a lighthouse. They are the person mm-hmm. who helps incorporate, like once this person, uh, once the ice hauler goes out and comes back, like they've obviously spent, even if they haven't gone at like crazy time dilation uh, speeds, they've still been away from Earth for a while. And right. so the person who is their significant other f- uh, functions as a lighthouse to help incorporate them back into society. And mm-hmm. so the, the gameplay really is that conversation that they have when they first co- when the the hauler is just returned and and is sort of getting back into society and so you're you're the game is a series of first meetings of the hauler returning to earth and con- reconnecting with this person that they care passionately about there's some other stuff that goes on later but that's that's kind of like that was where it started that's like that moment of you've just returned from a long trip and let's talk about the things that are different and reconnect was what i wanted to get at when... That's a beautiful concept for a game that I am so I I've been hanging on every like word of this game since I think you came up since you dropped the original pitch on me once upon a time. Yeah, this has been a game that I I just dr- my brain just drifts to this game, so I'm really excited to like get to talk about it and get to really like deep dive on it. I'm really pumped. Yeah, so. The way that the mecha- way the way the mechanics worked in the original version of the game, as we talked about it in an episode a while ago, and the way that I play tested it was that you would draw cards, and the cards would have kind of blanket like blank descriptions of the of the route because you're choosing what route you're going to go on as the hauler. Um, do you want to go on a short route? Do you want to go on a longer one? Do you want to take one that's short but has high time dilation? Do you want to go on a longer one that has low time dilation? And then there was a vague like this one will pay out more or that one will pay out more. Um, and so you could make all these decisions. And so the other part of the game uh, was a conversation between the the hauler and their significant other about which route the hauler was going to take because the hauler is sort of contracted to bring back X amount of ice. So they have to do this. They can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but mm-hmm. the, the flip side of that is that the, the, it is lucrative enough that when they're done and their contract is released, like when they're released from their contract, they will be able to live really comfortably for the rest of their life. And like the partner won't have to work. They won't have to work. So there's like there's a lot of financial benefits to this. Um, so you picked the route blindly. The ha- with with the uh, the thing that I told people was that the decision could be made as a group, and that obviously like they are they are a, they're a couple, they're a, they're a pair, they're they're going this together, and so they should talk about it. But that ultimately it was the hauler's decision what route they were going to take because they're the one who has to actually go do it. I think mm-hmm. I said ostensibly maybe they are the captain of the ship, which is why they're going to make this decision. Sure. Um, and so then on the backside of that card, you had a bunch of routes uh, or a bunch of prompts, story prompts, um, that were restricted based off of how many routes you'd already taken. So basically, as you took more trips, uh, the qu- the prompts would get harder and harder. And uh, not like harder, but meaning like the, the easy prompt would be like, you had a rough day because you felt sad. What made you feel sad? And, and the harder prompts being like, you had a rough trip. Uh, your ship got destroyed. How did you make it home mm-hmm. alive? Um, mm-hmm. And with the idea that the longer you do this, the more your ship is wearing out, the more, the more chances you're going to run into terrible accidents and that sort of thing. So the the hauler goes off and does that and and so there's these like there's a there's a moment where they're having a conversation the players 
uh, and the characters. And then they choose the route. The hauler goes off, looks at the other side of the card, thinks about their prompt, and the lighthouse stays at home. And they have a sheet that has a bunch of different prompts based off of how long the hauler, like how long the trip is. And they get to choose which prompt they're they're um they're gonna they're gonna talk about. And it can like there's no restriction other than by how long the hauler is gone. So that way that was just sort of my way of saying like you can't like if the if the hauler is only gone for three months, they can't come back to surprise there's a baby because mm-hmm. that wasn't enough time. Sure. They would at least they would know about it before they left. But things like the house burned down or you got a new dog can happen in that time but if it's if they're gone for like 10 years then we need to have more like lengthier things with the idea also that that every time they choose an option they cross it off and can't choose it again so the ice hauler has a lot of uh, of, they have they have one big choice which then sends them off and they have to then deal with whatever that prompt is and there's not really a whole lot of choice sometimes they could choose between one or two things but once they're off in space they don't really get to choose and the, the lighthouse stays at home, and they have a lot of choice. And that is kind of how the game played. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that I took away from the playtest, and we talked about this back in an episode, but I'm going to bring it up again because I worked on yeah, it. Yeah, please, please. Um, is that uh, everybody that played the game thought it was really good, thought that that core conversation was good, but that the thing that disconnected for them was they needed more for the the lighthouse to be doing like they wanted um, there to be like the, the ice hauler in the original version of the game. It was actually that the payout, like you didn't see the payout until the end. Like you were working toward a debt basically uh, for your contract. And so you'd have mm-hmm. to do like, you have to bring back X amount of generic pay- payout before you could be released. And then once you were released, you got a big payout that would uh, supply you with money for the rest of your life. And they had said that, uh, it would be more interesting to have each route be have a payout associated with it and to have the the lighthouse have like daily life things or like once you start establishing that you're raising a child or paying for a mortgage that those mm-hmm. are things that need money and so that like and because a lot of what um I've been doing recently is sort of like mind mapping out the different sort of things that the hauler and the lighthouse might have to pay for and and like what would go into this decision because like if if the if for me the core choice of the game is the decision about what route to take that's like the thing that affects the most other things in the game then mm-hmm. then i've been i've been sort of like mapping out like oh well like if they need money you might choose to go for the routes that take more money or if like uh, i played at least one game where the lighthouse anytime a card came up that where the trip was longer than a year they said no i'm nixing this uh you're not doing that and so that mm-hmm. was interesting and and so i wanted to but like with the pay, but the payout in that first version of the game was very abstract and so i'm trying to make it more more concrete um, but I'm a little concerned now that I've gone too far in the opposite direction. Um, the other, and then, so I guess, okay, to mentally get to where I want to be and to start this conversation with you, I also need to point out that, um, the, w- I have disconnected the prompts from the root choices. So the way that the game works now is you will choose a route and it will say this route takes, the ice hauler will live X amount of time, months, whatever, mm. whatever like time unit I end up going with, and the it'll and then the lighthouse will experience this amount of time, and then each of them will have a deck of cards that are like prompts for that time unit. Right. Um. And so then, if the the hauler is is experiencing three months, they'll draw one card, and if the lighthouse is experiencing a year they'll draw four cards and that way like there are more things happening in the lighthouse's life like they have more cards to deal with for that conversation because the other thing i came out of the playtest feeling was like if you're gone for 10 years and i've experienced three months and we both have one event then that kind of like doesn't feel mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and so the thing that i think i'm going to do with money is that the 
and to keep incorporating the fact that I want the lighthouse to have more choice because they are at home. They have family, they have friends, they have resources. Like they are the one who isn't stuck on a spaceship. They get to have, they can choose things. Um, right. I think that the payout is going to, is going to be in the form of some sort of a physical token. Like they have three poker chips worth of money. And I think that the way that I want it to work out is that the, the lighthouse will draw a hand of cards um, and they will be able to use the payment to like nix certain event cards, basically that they don't want to deal oh, with. Oh, I like I like that. I like I have another suggestion. Okay. If what like if the lighthouse's cards, if the if the primary difference, like if the lighthouse's cards all just came with like this will cost you this. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so they drew, and they like, it, but the, they had the choice of like drawing X amount of like. Here's a, a big picture design question, and 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 this is this is one of those like I'm gonna throw it out and feel free to shoot it down. Okay. If the idea, if we want to preserve the idea that the the lighthouse has all the choice and the hauler like doesn't, what if the hauler once they've selected a route? say they're gone a year they draw three cards they play three cards Mm -hmm. yeah those are just the things that happen yeah the uh if the if the lighthouse has a year they draw like five cards Mm -hmm. and play three of them yes that that is definitely what i'm going for like if you like the the hauler once they've made their one decision they just deal with the hand that life deals them the on the flip side, the um, the lighthouse gets to choose. I, I and like you're right. I I haven't quite decided whether or not I want the money to sort of be the way they avoid, or if I want the money to tie up in other ways. Because another thing that I have been exploring is the idea that you might have cards that say, like, um, because then the other thing that you end up and this is why I like having the the events as cards is you end up with like a timeline of things that have happened on the table in front mm-hmm. of you, and so yeah. that's how you can keep track of like how old you are too in relation to I the love person. Um, Which brings me to another question that I had, like another sort of picture design question for you. Sure. Is yeah. it easier to abstract the game to a year? Maybe, and it has definitely been that in the past. There have been versions of this game where every route was the same. You mentioned you mentioned three months. Is it easier to just say that a year is one card? Yeah. So and then five years is two. You know. You know what I mean. Like, is ba- building it off of that? Yeah. So I think that the the each card will represent a standard unit of time. Okay. And and so like I have sort of been offhand thinking three months so that four cards would be a year because that was kind of the the average layout of 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 routes that I was do, doing where there was mm-hmm. a large number of them w- that were under a year, um, and okay. then some that were over. But I'm gonna definitely adjust that. And because like I said, like um, there were versions of this game early on where the route was where the thing that you were choosing was not the length of the trip but the time dilation. And so mm-hmm. the route from the the hauler's point of view was always six months, regardless. Like they always experienced six months, and okay. and it, and the thing you were choosing was just how much time the lighthouse experienced. But I think I've decided that I like mixing it up a little bit more. Okay. But so the thing that I've been kind of playing around with, and this is where like I got a little too far in one direction, I think, um, was that you would have. As the lighthouse, you'd have a bunch of cards in front of you, and they would be things like some of them would be event cards, like you had a child, or you made a new friend, or you got a promotion at work, and and that those would just be there as as story reminders. But that there would be some things like you have to buy a new house, or your your landlord f- like forces your rent up, or something like that. And those would be things that you'd have to put tokens on, like um, mm-hmm. the money tokens on, and that maybe they would be for things like you buy a house where it's kind of like a big payment uh, or to represent like a, um to represent that part of your 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 wealth is tied up in that house it would have a chip on it or a number of chips on it that would stay there and then if you ever need to like use those chips for something else you could pull it off but then have to like sort of say we've moved out of this house mm-hmm. and that there for sure. would, I like I like that and that there would be some cards or events that are like like if you have a child that's a reoccurring payment so maybe it's like put a new chip on this card every every route um and so if you need to like 
put a chip on your child card and you don't have any, well, then maybe you have to take the chip off of your house card to sell your house to pay for the child. That sort of thing. My, mm-hmm. my concern with that is that if the hauler is just going, here is the route I'm choosing, now I'm going to go off and think about this, this event, and then the, the lighthouse has like a worker placement game to play, there might just be a lot of like gameplay difference, which is fine, but in terms of like the amount of time it takes the lighthouse to like make all their decisions, it might just get a little too extreme. So what if instead of placing the chips and having to like play the worker placement game, there were just uh there were three kinds of cards. They were just this is gonna this is going to take a chip away from you. Like this is a cost. You have a child now. You have a child. The child care costs are roughly equivalent to a chip. Mm-hmm. And it's just a one time like you've given you because the because the idea is that like X amount of chips is enough for two people to live in luxury for their lifetime. Yeah. So you could reasonably say like a child is two or three chips. Yeah. Or, and so there are cards that have a cost. Yeah. There are cards that are just events. You know, I made a friend. I got a dog. I I moved to a new city. Yeah. Etc. And then there are cards that give, like, have the potential of of them, of the lighthouse earning a chip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like got through, a promotion. Yeah. And so, and they have to, and so the lighthouse's game... There's a there's a slight gameplay difference there, mm-hmm. but not and is not to the extent that the that like a full worker placement type deal would have. Yeah, of okay, yeah, yeah. I have drawn five cards, or I've drawn six cards, or whatever. Maybe maybe they just draw like flat double whatever the cards the the haulers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have to play the same number of cards essentially. Yeah, I do want to stop you right now and just say, who do you think I am? Someone who is not friends with Brandon, the card is not that you get a dog. It's that your lifelong dog has passed away. That's fair. No, that's fair. You, they're sad now. Yeah. Because of they course. because Who do you ha- think I am? Someone that's not Jeff Stormer? You think true. I'm going to pass up an opportunity to make someone sad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's And that's like the, the hauler's dog has passed away while they're away. Right. Uh, I had so much fun writing these cards. And, and like the thing that is the most exciting about changing the rules over to this event card is that style is that I'm going to have to just have so many more cards. Yeah. And so I just get to write more cards and I'm and just so, super excited about that. That's I absolutely. I feel like that's going to be the joy of designing this game. Yeah. And that was the thing that everyone came away from the playtest saying was like the best part was that the prompts were so good. I had someone choose to become a space pirate. That's that's there was a prompt that told them that they became a space pirate, but on a different prompt unrelated to that, they chose of their own volition to become a space pirate. Good. It was so good. Very good. If you if you if you choose between these cards, they have to basically like make this choice of like these are the things that happened to me. There's a potential balance concern in setting it up that way, which would be that my impulse is just going to be take every card that gives me a chip. Yeah. However, you could you could then narratively balance that by saying that the cards that give you chips are like you got a promotion, but now you're working sick. Now you're working like 13 hour days. Yeah. And like to earn that money, you have had to work relentlessly for the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I have a little bit of concern about giving the lighthouse the ability to earn money. Um, okay. Or or. Like I, I have always said that the, the lighthouse is a person who works like because some of the events have been that they get a promotion, but that the scale of money that they that they earn is just a lot less like the light. Not that they are not earning like a living wage, like absent the hauler, the lighthouse lives just fine. Like they have a job okay. they can support themselves, but that the that the sort of like the the amount of the scale of money that the hauler is earning is more. And that's why it's kind of relevant to the game. Um, well, then in that case. In that case, you could cut the things that give them chips and just have it be like, there are cards that have an event, uh, a chip cost of zero. And there are cards that have a, that like, if you want, if you want to play this card, you will have to hand over one of your chips. So the person has to be like, and their cards, like you got a new house and it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think because the thing that I like about that, uh, about, and this is like why people told me this, which is that when you are choosing which route that the hauler is going to go on, if 
if if you have if you are a couple where you have a lot of chips, like you have a lot of money um, that's available to you, then when the when the lighthouse or when the hauler goes away, the lighthouse draws their cards, and they've got these things that are like uh, they have some event cards and some cards that cost them some money. Well, they can choose the like you get a nice new house card instead of the your your childhood dog has passed away card because that's sad mm-hmm. and they may not want that. And so, but if they but if they don't have any chips because they've chosen to go with with the 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 routes that pay out less but have like a a nicer sort of effect on their relationship like maybe the trips aren't as long they haven't had as much like time debt where their ages have shifted uh different from each other because that's like what they want as a couple to like stay uh healthy Mm -hmm. if you run out of money well then now as the lighthouse i don't have the option to buy the nice house so i have to take the sad card and so yeah and 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 the only reason why I kind of think about the I like the idea of things that have like sort of reoccurring costs is because I I want that to be a driving factor. Like people wanted the money factor to be more of a present concern because it's a real life. Well, it, it is real life it is, concern. It is absolutely. But I think you can I think you can get to that without necessarily having to track accounting. Yeah. And that's and that's where I was like I was like, let me just follow this down the route of like right. the most tracking of accounting. And suddenly I have made a worker placement game. We're just because, gonna back off. Because if if we're if what we're talking like what we're what we've been talking about, like ads and it, the what the thing that I really like about it, and you kind of like got hit on it a little bit, is it adds an element of economic resentment yeah. if you don't have chips. If yeah. I don't have chips, I can't buy a new house. If I have that chip, if you had taken the route that gave me that chip, I could have bought a new house while you were gone. Yeah. I could have, like, bought a new car. I could have quit my job. Like, if mm-hmm. I had chips, these are things I could be doing, but I can't do those things because I don't have chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, like, it adds that, it makes that money a factor, and it makes it when you come back that I say... No, you have to take the job that's going to give you five chips because I had to pass up on a job and a car. And instead, I instead like my neighbors like and I think there's an element of like we call them sad cards. But I I also like the idea that like the cost zero cards are just like. Pains of economic like pains of economic reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like your na- your neighbor is really loud and annoying. And it's like, I've been dealing with this loud, annoying neighbor for a year while you were off being a space pirate. Yeah. It adds, it makes that money a factor. Yeah. And and I also wanted that kind of like the, the lighthouse, like I said, makes money, but the, the hauler is the one who brings back like large amounts of money. And, and so I wanted, like, I, I've talked to some people about how I really like the idea that like as much as this can be a happy game or of, of a couple that sticks together through the whole thing, uh, it can also be like, it can become the story of someone who is just like bleeding another person drive all of their money and living at the la- in the lap of luxury on earth while the other person goes out into space. Like you can end up at the end of this game hating each other, but still tied together because of this contract you signed. And the other half of it is it can be a person that is, it can be, it can be the story of a person who is, chasing their dream at the cost of another person's happiness yeah yeah if you are taking if you're taking the 20 year if you're going to be gone if you're taking 20 years to go like gallivant in space and i am here with here working here like with a 40k job like barely covering all my bills and stuff yeah now the only thing that i I worry. Broadly, I like this idea, and I like the idea of incorporating a more like uh, specific financial thing into it. And I like the idea that the lighthouse, who is the person on Earth, manages the finances mm-hmm. of the couple. But some of the coolest moments in the playtests I had were those moments where there the the couple had been in an argument, and the hauler said, "Screw you! I'm making this decision about which route I'm going on, and I'm choosing to go on the five year one because I can't deal with you for a while." So um, I have I have a suggestion for that. Okay, but fin- finish your thoughts. So I, and so my only concern is if if they're going screw you, I'm leaving for this five year trip. I'm choosing this route because it's the one that I like the most. Um, but if they're coming back and still like just handing all their money off to the lighthouse then that might undercut that, like, slamming the door a little bit. Right, for sure. 
It may not. I'll have to, that's something I'll have to playtest. I have a suggestion mm-hmm. for... You had mentioned earlier that, like, you like the idea that, like, you can talk it over, but the hauler has absolute authority over what route they take. Yeah. And I'm conflicted about this idea that I'm about to throw to you because I'm not certain because I I feel like it might. I don't even know quite how to put it into words. It might. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there and we'll see how, how you feel. About okay. it. What I've written down is that the hauler decides to leave and the lighthouse decides to stay. Meaning what? The, the hauler has absolute authority over what route they take. Mm-hmm. The lighthouse has the authority to, to be like the lighthouse has to answer the question of like, am I there when they get back? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I love that, but like I, I want the idea to be that the lighthouse has some similar level of authority because like that is such a cool moment when the hauler can just go, I'll see you in five years. I'm done with this argument. But they come back and yeah. But yeah. I'd like the I'd like the lighthouse to have the opportunity to have a similar moment of like of I am going to get you back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because right right now there are two ways that the game ends. That is either that there like there is an amount of money that they ha- or there's an amount of ice that they have to bring back. And so once they've performed enough routes, uh, the hauler has performed enough uh, trips to, to fulfill that contractual agreement that they're then they are free. That I hadn't actually written that into the game, but that is in theory like an end point. Um, the other end point was one or the other of the characters dies. I had not really considered just a third because so in the original version of the game, I had sort of said that they've signed like the hauler has signed this contract. They've agreed they can't get out of it and that they have to pick someone to be their lighthouse. And that once they've, once the the person who is their significant other has agreed to be their lighthouse, they were contractually obligated to continue that relationship. And so that's how you would get these kind of like really frustrating end game scenarios where the two people hate each other, but are contractually obligated to have this conversation. Um, But having, but that, that could get to some really like, kind of like abusive toxic stuff that i don't necessarily want Mm -hmm. and so having that's why i'm that's why i'm worried about the 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 hauler having a level of of authority that the lighthouse doesn't have it creates an inequality that can feel problematic yeah having another out for the 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 um the lighthouse might be something i should write into the game um just so this and and, like i i think that it would here, okay, so here is the question. That that probably necessarily has to be an endpoint for the game. Like, mm-hmm. is there a scenario where someone says, I'm not there when you come back, but maybe the next trip I am? Like, do they ever come back around? I don't, that, that just get, might get complicated. Hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I feel like... I'm I'm like I I'm wondering that. Yeah. That's something I have and to I'm, play with. Yeah, that's something to to play around with cuz I like that idea. I also like the idea that like if you're not there when when the, when I get back after 5 years, we're good. like there's no Yeah, there's no There's no coming yeah. back from that. Yeah, I liked the idea of having people like sort of forced to have that conversation because because the again the the pitch is that initially these characters are like madly in love with each other. And so working through some issues or being forced to work through your issues was part of what I liked about it. But that, yeah, but that does have some interesting repercussions that I, I, I need to think about some more. Um, actually, this would probably be a good point to talk about something else that came out of the game, which is that I have begun to think that there is a version of this game that is not two players, which I know is maybe heresy, but um, there are many games that uh, more than two players. Um, and All right. Well, have fun finding a new co-host. Uh. <laughs> but let me tell you about how this works because it, it, <laughs> because I've been toying around with the idea of ga- these, and, and I have seen a couple of games that are still like they have modes that are two-player games, mm-hmm. yeah, right, but then right, right. have like group sessions. And so the way that I imagined this playing out was: you have four people; they are two couples, and so there are. 
there's the the scenes where you are choosing which route they are going on. And in those cases, I guess those are four player scenes because everybody talks about, or maybe they talk in groups, um, but come back and then the the ice haulers together have to choose which which route they're going on. They go off on a ship together. So when they are having their event cards and talking and like thinking about the things that happen on the the ship, they get to have scenes where they talk about that uh, and do some role playing about that. And then the lighthouses can be like a support group. They can choose to be friends, however that they want to play that out, and they can have a scene. So you end up kind of having a scene of the lighthouses together and the and the the haulers together on a ship, and then they switch and do another set of two scenes where they've met they've met up with their lighthouses again, and maybe some interstitial scenes with all four of them. So. I actually I really like that idea and I think like I think I, I think that's a really cool idea I don't know that I, I the thing I really like about that idea is I don't think it would need any like mechanical tweaks yeah 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 I think that would just be like that could just be something you know that's something you could put in the rule book and be like here's another way to play it yeah and because like when you had originally pitched it being able uh, being like a larger group thing I was worried that it was going to alter the rules and no. dilute that central that central theme yeah it's it's it is the only thing it adds is uh it adds an extra scene in the sort of rotation of scenes where the people who are on earth and the people on the hauler uh get to have a scene if they want and, yeah and i love that i absolutely love that and it could be more like and 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 it can we could have more more people you could do a group of six um, where the the people on Earth could have like multiple scenes, they could all like have one scene. Obviously, all the people on the spaceship should have a scene together. Um, but it's this kind of like this this kind of like accordion move of everybody in their corners has a conversation, and then you come back together and split up into your your lighthouse hauler pairs and have a scene. Mm-hmm. The other reason why I kind of came about that was something that came out of the the uh, the game playtesting I did was the idea that maybe these people didn't need to be in a romantic relationship, and that and one of the playtests that we did uh, the character the players explored the idea of playing a father son relationship, which was very interesting because they didn't change any of the cards, and so when some of the cards that they pulled were like, "Hey, uh, break it to your this other person," uh, that while they were off in space, you had an affair, um, kind of changed theming a lot when now this person that you're admitting you had an affair with is not your spouse but your your parent so uh, i love that i actually love that idea and i really like the idea that that you can be free to mix and match with the groups mm-hmm. because then people can be playing very different games within the sort of larger framework of the game I really like that idea. That actually brings me to I want to talk like that brings me to the character creation talk yeah, that I know yeah, we yeah. want both wanted to get yeah. to. Um cuz I have some suggestions for you. Yeah. For character creation, for things to look at and thinking about it in terms of not necessarily a romantic relationship. Mhm. Gives me a lot of solid ideas for things that I can kind of throw at you. Yeah, cool. So, let me tell you about what I have right now. And yeah. and and some of my my big concerns. So, right now I had pretty much said choose your name and okay. name the spaceship. Right. And that was pretty much it. Um, I had uh, one of the playtests was um, Meg Dornbrock and Cat mm-hmm. Cool. And they asked if they could be aliens. <laughs> and that was not something I had considered. And they played as like some cat aliens in space. Um, I think they may not have even been playing on Earth. They were just playing on like, like they were oh, the hauler was always coming back to a space station which is another right. weird variant. Um, but so that was pretty much what I had, had like come up with. I had just said like, name yourself, name the spaceship and go. <laughs> um, and it worked okay. But one of the things that I'm concerned about as a game designer is that, like I said, so like there are aspects of this game that can be happy, upbeat people working together mm-hmm. to, to build a relationship. But some of these things, like some of the events that I put on the card were like, you're off in space. You're, you're cramped in a spaceship with five other people. And like, so you, maybe you have an affair with one of those people or you like, or you miss out on the first, uh, the first like walk first day of school sort of first of your kid, like these sort of like harder, like emotional things. Right. Right. And I'm concerned that I don't earn those. And I think that 
having a really deep character creation system that points people toward building people who feel real will get people into the mindset of like, I'm thinking about a real person here. And so when I have to make these decisions, I shouldn't make the decision to like have an affair pretty flippantly. Like that's something that my character should think about and then think about how they, how they deal with that and react to that. I agree completely. And I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of games that I'm going to throw out real quick. Okay, uh, good, get good. ready, get ready to take some show note yep, notes. Yep, yep. Um, because there's a lot of games I think that you can look at that like their the way that they do character creation is going like would slot very nicely into this. Yeah, and you could kind of synthesize all of them together to create like something that really earns those painful moments later. Yeah, to start throwing out names of games. Um, and to sort of maybe start this conversation is like the thing that I wanted to avoid doing that I think that does it really well is the our radios are dying where they give you two characters. See, I don't. Yeah, I don't. And, think I, that's and I don't. The way to go. I don't want to do that. I want this, especially if I want to make this game as like like you can play it as a couple, you can play it as best friends, you can play it as father son uh, siblings. Like I want to keep the the character creation as generic enough, and so I don't want to hand people characters. No, no, no. I don't think that's the way to go. Uh, the first two games that I want to throw out. Okay. Uh, the thing that they both have in common that just hit me is that they both use tumbling wood towers. <laughs> okay. Uh, starting with, in terms of like general, in terms of, there's an option that lets you play cat aliens, mm-hmm. but also lets you play ordinary people. And that is, if you look at Starcrossed by Alex Roberts on Kickstarter now, go listen to the Party of One episode, <laughs> partyofonepodcast.com. Yep. I got plugs. Um, <laughs> That's good. I haven't actually uh, read those rules yet. I need to do Starcross that. Starcross starts out with a with a series of very broad questions mm-hmm. that, like, if you wanted to play cat aliens, if you wanted to play ordinary people in Cincinnati, like, yeah, it works you could phrase, frame those questions and, like, so if you just started out with, like, describe where you live. Yeah. Describe where you met. Mm-hmm. Or and, and the other thing that I'm thinking of is Dread by Epidiah Ravishal. Dread, the way Dread creates characters, I think would fit very nice, would, would earn a lot of that. Mm-hmm. That is, the Dread has 10 question questionnaires. The 10th question is always, what is your character's name? Yeah. So in this case, the ninth question could be, what is your name? The 10th is, what is the, what is the name of your spaceship? Yeah. And those questions... um. They guide you through character creation. They hand you certain mm-hmm. parts of your character. But they don't tell you. They let you make that decision. Yeah, I like I like the idea of it being a series of questions. Um, because I found, like, like, as much as I really like the kind of, uh, here's a list of things, circle one of these adjectives thing that, like, a lot of PBTA mm-hmm. games do. It really, that, like, works for that because it's locking you into that genre. And because I'm right. kind of going into a broader genre where you can play, like, high fantasy cat aliens or you can play, like, gritty near Earth, like, near future uh, Earth stuff. I can't really make those calls. And I think that those sort of open-ended questions, like what is your ship? What is your, where did you meet? What was the name of the street that you live on? Like what, like what, I don't know. What, where did like, tell us the story of how you met that sort of stuff. So what I'm picturing here is a series of, we'll call them play sets. Mm -hmm. There's probably a better term for it. Yeah. In which there's a a questionnaire for the lighthouse and a questionnaire for the hauler. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm a sucker for marry, because I'm a sucker for marrying fluffed mechanics, uh, an application for the lighthouse program and an application for the hauler. Oh, absolutely. And on these, there's a series of ten questions, and those questions, they like like a great PBTA question. They tell you part of the world. Mm-hmm. They tell you part of your character, and then they ask you to fill in the rest. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, uh, let's talk about if we've been talking about them being in a romantic relationship. Let's talk about the romantic. Let's talk about the married couple playset. Question one: You're married. What was your wedding like? Yeah. Question two: You live together. What is your play? What does your home look like? So it tells you a little bit of your relationship. So by the end of it, you have two characters who are madly in love. You have two characters who are married because you've told them you're madly in love, you're married. But they've also filled in those details of like, where did you meet? 
Yeah. What was your wedding like? It gives them details to play off of later because it gives them details that they can talk about and share with each other. Yeah. And it builds those characters while also directing them to this is where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and something that so like continuing that that kind of like fluff ma- uh, matching mechanics thing. Um, I when I when I pitched the game the first time or when I when I ran the game the first time, I I had two people or I had four people in a room and I and I explained the the lore of the game, the story of the game as though they were two lighthouse hauler pairs and I was a representative of the corporation who they were signing on with. And so like, because, because again, the, the idea is that this lighthouse relationship with the hauler is something that the corporation is saying, like, this is how we keep our haulers sane and, and healthy individuals by having them have this person they come in contact with. And so having this application, either, either it being an application or some, or other form where like the, the purpose in the of the corporation in this in this way is to get like an emotional baseline of like how mm-hmm. how do these people feel about each other now so that when we see them again in the next session uh we can tell how they've changed or like what we need right. to do to help them or how they can help each other right and so i like and so for me like that feels like the right direction to take character creation is yeah. To, is, is to guide is not not to do like our radios are dying which is a great game but like not to do the thing where it hands you all your characters details it's playing a very specific relationship right not to do the thing where you you know you don't want to tell these people everything about themselves you want to yeah. tell them 40 to 50 percent about themselves and let them fill in the rest because that 50 percent is going to be the things that like they come back to yeah 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 I was really impressed with how much like just sort of, I mean, this is also some of the like the because I was playtesting at Metatopia, where these people like are even the people who are just like regular folks. They are not game designers. Are still there for playtesting, but I just handed them this game and was like, I am not done. I, there's no character creation. Kind of just go, and they made characters, and so that's where I kind of was like, oh, maybe I don't really need to have like a very overbearing character creation system. I can just give them like a light questionnaire that asks, that gets them thinking about I the characters and. Questionnaires are what I I would push for. Yeah, no, I like the idea that it's it's the applications too. That that's that's clutch. That's, that's, a, that's that feels like a solid. That feels like like a good marriage of like if you're handing someone a sheet of paper and it's like an application and they have to fill out answers. That feels cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or oh, the other thing that might work would be that um, I think that the way that I want it to work is that for, for so that. For each of them, it's their application, but some of the questions are about the other person. And, oh, for sure. And so that it's it's there's so there is an initial thing where they get to answer some questions with a follow up of now I'm going to ask you questions about your character to put down on my sheet, and that starts a conversation. Starcross does that in a very clever way. It's actually it's and it feel it does exactly what you're describing. So I think it's dead on the money if that's where you want to go with it. Yeah, where it uh. It one of the things that you do because you're playing two characters who are very attracted to each other, but like do, can't act on that attraction. Mm-hmm. So the fir- one of the first things it does is it says, "What are two things that the other? What are two things that are attractive about your about your partner that they don't realize?" Mm, that's good. So you swap sheets, write them <laughs> down, and then hand them back. Ah, uh, that's good. You would not. I mean, not you would not be surprised at all. Uh, how many people have told me that I need to look at some of the things that Alex Roberts has written and like talk to her more in depth about this game? And I, I, I gave her the original pitch, and she thought it was good. And I need to to pick her brain some more, and and pick her brain in the form of reading this game that she just wrote and that I backed on Kickstarter, um, and listening to the one shot ep- or the the um, the party of one episode. Uh, and just consuming as much of that game as possible because I think it hits a lot of the same uh, story yeah. elements that I'm interested in. Only and uh, there's actually there's another game I want to pitch to you okay. that I think is right in line with a lot of what you're playing with and a lot of the uh, and like there's a lot of stuff in the generation of characters that like you could also play with. It hands the players more character than I think you would want to, mm-hmm. but it follows the same line. So the game is 183 Days by Sarah Williamson and James Stewart. The premise is it is the love story between two clairvoyants. Sam can see the future. Uh, Sam can see with 100% certainty everything that is going to happen forever mm-hmm. or for his entire life. 
or for their entire life. Sam can see every every event that's going to happen for their entire life with 100% clarity. Dylan can see every possibility. If they do any one thing, they can trace that that line of action to 100% accuracy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow they go on a date. Their relationship lasts 183 days. <laughs> they know they will break up at the end of this 183 days. Uh, that's so good. And the way that the game works, and it's and it's part of why I keep thinking of it when you're describing your game, is it's a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. It's a deck of, it's a deck of cards. It's two deck. No, it is two decks of cards. If I yeah. yeah, it's two decks of cards, uh, with days written on them, and you each player draws them as they see the day number, hmm. and you follow this line through in chronological order. Interesting. But uh, it made me think of it because there's two decks of cards. It's a two-player game. It's about a relationship. And it, too, tells you, like, it also follows the trend of, like, it tells you something, and then it asks you something. Yeah. So it says, like, Sam can see the future. When did you realize that? Mm -hmm. When was the first time you saw the future with perfect clarity, and how did you, like, how did you interpret that? Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to... Dylan can see every possibility... When was the first time? When when did you first use that ability? Yeah, I'm gonna have to definitely look at that game for for character creation stuff. And so, like that is a, a like that feel also feels very right in terms of like that relationship that you're go you're building towards. Mm-hmm. And then when you want to do different playsets, when you want to do the father and son playset, you just tweak those questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to see if I can make it generic enough. That I that it might not need to have playsets with while still being like punchy enough, but but yeah, having it be different playsets wouldn't be terrible. Um, yeah, because I yeah I you play around with it. I'm a big proponent of the playset, but I'm always just a big proponent of having more things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon and I have recently like been all about playsets, and he's been working on some like uh, interesting stuff for Pasión de las Pasiones, where he's had variant playsets. Um, it was what he brought to Dreamation, um, yes. and so it was actually going so far as not just changing some like core, some basic rules stuff, but like actually changing out like the playbooks actually changed, um, uh, which was really interesting. And I think that that playbook or playsets in in PBTA games and and in new in new games, we Brandon and I have talked a lot about like uh, modules were like a really big thing in D twenty games. And that they've like that concept of modules has sort of like faded a little bit and that it's coming back again. And this like idea of play sets um, mm-hmm. and that I really like that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely on board. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wonder. If but it- I think, yeah, I think look at 183 days, look at Starcross, look at Dread. They all do character creation in a way that I think is going to feed into like that is going to earn those questions for you. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not too concerned because, again, some of those things came up. Like, that was my big concern going into Metatopia and coming out of it. People, like, did not feel that I had asked them unearned questions. Like, they were able to get enough stuff going uh, with their feeling. They were able to to dive into that story deeply enough with the nothing that I gave them so that I'm not, like, super worried about it. If you're ever worried that your game doesn't work, go to a playtest with no game. And just give it to some people, and if it works, then it will just make the rest of the game design easier. Yeah, that checks out. I was really concerned that I was going to have to write a lot more to get people to have this comp, like because again, the whole idea was get people to have this difficult conversation, and then how do I do that? And the answer is ask them to have that conversation, pretty much, and they'll well, fill and in think, all the de- the details. And I think the other part of that is. You want to make sure that your game does that for people that are not professional game writers. Yeah. Which I think you're, which I think like everything you're describing is a hundred percent on the road to doing that. I think that the questions or I think that the cards that you've described, if written properly and if, and kind of, and, and my, 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 my suggestion for the cards is to follow the same formula as the, the questions, but I think you've mm-hmm. already described doing that. Yeah. Of like, you'd say an event and then you'd, you ask them to fill in the details. Yeah, I think that in uh, as I had them written, they were a lot more questions, like explain they were because they were story, they were conversation prompts, right? Um, but having especially now that I'm talking about for the lighthouse, them there being event card or there being like cards that have costs, those are going to definitely need to be like a thing happened. Here's what it was. How do you deal with it? 
in that mm-hmm. format, as opposed to like some of the event cards I had were just like explain the the like the most beautiful thing you saw out in space. Yeah, but um, I think that I think that those cards earn more of that narrative than you might be giving them credit for. Yeah, and I and I did have a little bit of an issue of uh getting the setting that I wanted right. Like every time I've run, I've had to. I've had to really do a lot of uh, legwork to like explain the setting of like we're at this level of technology. We don't have FTL. Like here's why you're going to get ice. Like uh, and helping and having those sort of uh, things that provide some groundwork for the universe will also help uh, mm-hmm. solve some of that problem. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I feel I feel like I've hit a. I think that that doing the ex- and this is I think that doing the extreme. Uh, worker placement stuff for the lighthouse is too much. I think that having a mix of event cards and cost cards is good. Um, I was, I had, I had one moment where I imagined a group of six people playing this game, where three people as lighthouses were having to do this extreme lighthouse like worker placement thing, and I was like, mm-hmm. "This is a nightmare. This will never work." And so I had to back away from that. Um, and defining what some of the scenes are. Um, and, and, and the framework for that is something I've been meaning to work on. Um, I let the players be very freeform about where these like lighthouse, uh, hauler scenes are even taking place. And mm-hmm. initially when I went in, I thought I wanted it to be very like uniform, like you were doing this in a room controlled by the, the corporation, but I let people kind of do whatever they wanted. And I think that that actually worked out better. Um, uh, maybe providing in a, in a rule book. Um, once I have actually written this down and it's not just in my head, having a bunch of different options for people to choose from or like starter prompts would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I think that you've given me a list of games to think about and go read in more depth. And and, and so I have one last suggestion about that. Okay, that like goes back to the question of lighthouse autonomy. Yeah. If if. If you're playing with the idea that they're contractually obligated to, like, meet up after such and such time. If the lighthouse has the authority to say, like, where and when they meet up. Ooh, yeah. Okay. That's they, good. They get to set the terms of all of this. So that, like, you can say, yeah, I'm leaving for five years. And then it's like, okay, cool. We're meeting in court because I'm divorcing your ass. Oh, that is good. Um, Like, then they, or it's like, okay, cool. You're going to prison. Like, you skipped out on child support for five years. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that is interesting. I I don't remember who set the scenes. I could probably go back. I think I have notes that describes that. Who was the one who was setting the scenes in the um, uh, in the playtest I did? But there were definitely, I definitely distinctly remember somebody saying, "I don't like, I shouldn't choose this. You choose where we're having this meeting." Um, and so that, yeah, so I, I think I think you're right. I think giving that power explicitly to the lighthouse is important. That feels that feels like that feels like good autonomy mm-hmm. because then like. Then, like, if it's if we're st- if I still feel that romance for you, I pick the place that we met. I pick this beautiful hangout. I pick this like beautiful lookout spot. Or I say like we're meeting at HQ because this is a business relationship. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you burned you burned our romance. We are part. We are business partners. Yeah, we're now. we're meeting in this in this controlled room where there's someone observing us, and I feel safe and you feel safe. Uh, yeah. or there's a gla- or gonna- there's a glass prison there's a prison wall and we're on phones yeah. because like I don't want to be in the same room as you yeah or we're gonna meet at the cafe where we first met and our romance kindled that's yeah. good I like that I think that might be if I choose to go with that forced relationship I think that having them be able to set that is important I kind of really like the idea of of a of a hauler who is in prison but still has to make these trips out mm-hmm Oh, that's really that's weird. I gotta work on that. Um, so this is good. I I I think that I have I, when I initially wrote the game, I was really concerned that because all of the decision making was uh, the only decision that got made in the game was the hauler was choosing which route to go on, and the lighthouse was there. And then I added that they got some choice about which prompts they were choosing, but the lighthouse still, or the hauler still had that initial route choice. And then uh, some small choice about which prompt they were choosing. And I was really worried that like all of the, the game play was happening on the hauler side. And now I feel like I've swung way in the opposite direction. And that because of the finances that adds a lot of game play, mechanical gameplay to the lighthouse, 
And I think that that's good. I think that that still works. Uh, I think I have I have well, to find. Well, because you the, said it. I'm sorry. I just have to find the right balance between the two. But I think I'm very close. Well, and you had said that, like you you had said that, like a major theme of the game was that the hauler has no choice, and yeah. the lighthouse has all the choice. So I think like making that reflective in the mechanics of like the hauler has very has like very little things to play with, but like their decisions have more weight than the lighthouses who has more things to do but is still kind of at the whim of the hauler yeah because like the way i designed the game originally was that it wasn't that the lighthouse didn't have any choices but it was that they had ultimate freedom like they and so there was no reason to mechanize what they did because it was just freedom but the result of that was that it felt like they had nothing to do unless they mm-hmm. defined it themselves and so i think hitting this nice middle point where they have a lot of choices to make makes them feel like they have more freedom yeah, because freedom is the uh, is the ability to answer questions and make choices. And if you're not being given questions, then you don't get to make those choices. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's good. I'm I'm feeling much better at this game. I like had I it was I had the weirdest experience of I I play tested it twice, two sessions with two people each or with four people each, and I got a lot of weird uh, discrepancies between what they what they wanted to see and what they didn't. And so I, I very distinctly said, I have taken pretty detailed notes at Metatopia, and literally I have not looked at them since I got back from Metatopia until about a week ago. And then my brain just started like processing stuff, and it was like what I had kind of intended. Like I wanted to incorporate their uh, their feedback into my head, but it was important to me that this be my game and not something that like I let the playtesters choose for me which is something that we've talked about in like playtesting episodes um and it was just like this weird thing where like last week i think i was in the shower and my brain was just like this is how this game is going to work here's how you're going to do this financial system like here you go go start writing games again and i've i've suddenly come back to this and i feel like i've made a lot of progress in the last two weeks and um That's that's super exciting and i'm very excited to like uh play this game with you let you play this game bring it back to a convention next year um, I have some different, like I'm planning out all the different variants that I want to bring back and test and see how it works in different ways. Um, and, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm really excited to see where it shapes up. Hopefully you'll finally let me play it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I want it to be, I want it to be like, it wasn't quite ready to be played again. And I'm feeling sure. like it's getting closer. Like this rule set with the idea of the cards feels much better. Like the the first version that I wrote, it was like enough for someone to sit down and actually start playing, but it was not a playable game. Right. Um, but yeah. Well, thank you for sitting down and talking to me about this. Hey, um, no problem. I can't wait to do it again next week. Yeah. And every episode after that forever. <laughs> yep. Hope you're listening to this, Brandon. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and get in touch with you and listen to your stuff sure um, you can find me on twitter at party of one pod you can find party of one which is the actual play about two player role playing games uh, much like the ice hauler game that we spent this episode discussing and will eventually be on party of one whenever it's ready Yep. Uh, James you have my word about that okay. and it's going to be a great episode you yeah. also have my word on that uh, you can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. If you liked hearing me talk about character creation and you want to hear me actually create a bunch of really interesting fantasy characters, uh, you can check out All My Fantasy Children at allmyfantasychildren.com. Um, and I am working on a, I am working on a game uh, called Mission Accomplished. It is the role-playing game of super spies and office meetings. Uh, and that'll be on Kickstarter sooner or later. Follow me on Twitter for more details on that. More details will be coming in the next few months. It'll be on Kickstarter eventually yeah if games that derive their and and intermingle their mechanics with with like in-universe fluff is your thing this game is really good oh yeah i think you'll like it a lot if you like the marriage of fluff and mechanics i think you'd you'll dig mission accomplished because it the mechanics feel like an office meeting yeah oh my god the the in-universe seven habits of highly effective agents is so good I, yeah, so the, so briefly, um, it is an office meeting after, the premise of the game is you're a team of super spies meeting up after a successful mission to talk about who, like, to have a debriefing session and figure out who gets credit for what went right, who gets the blame for what went wrong, who is getting burned, and who is getting that sweet corner office with the floor-to-ceiling windows and the company credit card. Nice. And the way that mission control figures out who gets credit and blame 
is who best followed the seven habits of highly effective black ops agents, <laughs> such as inventory management, uh, efficiency, team spirit. It's so good. It's very good. It's You'll definitely have to publish this game in some form of a three-ring binder. Oh, that's... I, <laughs> I've gone back and forth between, like, how to present this game, and I have a lot of ideas. Oh, it's good. It's good. Well, thank you, Jeff, for joining me on this episode. Uh, everybody should definitely go check out all of Jeff's stuff. It's, like, absolutely the top quality stuff. If you are into this podcast or Protean City, we pull a lot of our influences for, like, the way that we that we record podcasts from Jeff's stuff. Uh, it's, it's super excellent. Uh, go check that out. Follow him on Twitter. Follow his podcasts uh, and, and listen to them. You will enjoy them. But you can find us at Stop, Pack, and Roll on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at End the Meltdowns. And even though he wasn't here this, this week, I will give him a credit. You can find Brandon at Dr. Captain Cobalt. You can find all of our episodes, links to some of the games we've been working on, and on some other stuff on uh, www.stoppackandroll.com, our website, which we will eventually be updating. Um, I've been thinking about moving it to a new host to get some more functionality out of it. Um, you can email us at james or brandon at stoppackandroll.com, and we will eventually get back to you. Uh, <laughs> some people have found that the best way to do that is to send us the email and then tweet at us and let us know that you've emailed us, and that uh, usually works. Um, please take the time to find and rate us on iTunes and whatever other uh, pod hosts you found. It helps people find our show. It helps people. Uh, it helps our show show up in uh, the party of one. People who listen to this podcast might also be interested in listening to this podcast list, uh, which is really what we're going for. Um, we make this podcast with the financial support and emotional support of people on Patreon. Uh, listeners like Mike Fielding, Rob Harvey, Corvin Leary, Zoe Rich, Izzy Sanders, DeFool Dude, Rail Rome, Declan Chadbourne, Ankusome, Clay, who is terminally nerdy, Nora Blake, Chris Newton, Michael Bowman, Alice Tobin, Chad Owen, Blake Ryan, Anthony Nomorosa, Troy Pitchelman, ShuffleQuest, Catechism, Panic Productions, Benj, Jimmy Rogers, Richard Kritzlandry, Riverhouse Games, Randy Lubin, Robert Kosick, and Rob Avrazato. If you'd like to help support this show and all future shows that we do, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash stopbackandroll. If you can't support us financially, which is totally fine, that emotional support and, and sort of like community support is just as important, if not more important to us, uh, join our community by tweeting at us, emailing us, uh, telling us what you want to hear podcast episodes about, um, we are content to talk about our games that we're developing and kind of like broad topics. But if you've got a specific thing you want us to talk about, hit us up and we will talk about that. Um, another great place besides Twitter is our discord. It's a hopping community of game designers and podcasters and people talking about stuff. Uh, you can find that at tinyurl.com slash SHR discord or at discord.stophackandroll.com. But don't forget that as you are starting to think about replacing your, your podcasting partner with a younger, hipper co-host, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Yeah.